Uh, we're starting a new series today on Keys to Heaven's Economy. So, there's two books that you guys can get for this series. Uh, this is the main book, Keys to Heaven Economy, and this is like the workbook, the resource book. And if you were earlier on time, you got one. So uh, raise, your, raise your hands if you got the book. Raise the book up in the air. Yay! These are the people that showed up on time to church. All right! <laughs> I know, that's pretty cheap, isn't it? But what are you going to do? Desperate times. All right, so next week, if you come early, you can, you will, if you, if you elbow somebody into the church, you'll get this book. And so what I'm going to be doing is that there's, in the yellow book, there's eight keys to kingdom resources. And we're going to do two of the points today in 15 minutes. So (laughs) we'll see how well we do. All right, get your Bibles out. And uh, as we begin to talk about... You're going to have to turn your brains on for this one, folks. Like, this one is stretching me. And so it's going to stretch you. As we begin to talk about heaven's economy, the biggest challenge we will have as individuals and a church is changing the way that we think, changing our perception, our perspective. Like, in order for us to truly be blessed by heaven's finances, it's going to take a huge paradigm shift in the way that we see the world and the way that we see ourselves. And probably most importantly, on the way that we see the Lord. The truth. The truth is, it is God's will that you prosper. It is God's will that you're successful. It, it, right for this one? No one's going to believe me on this one. It is God's will that you become rich. I mean, I know. I'm sounding like one of those TV prosperity gospel guys. Like, if you've been around me, if, you've been, if you're a part of this church, hopefully by now you know that I'm not that. But what I do want to do is I want to challenge each and every one of us, myself included, to... Repent of a poverty mindset. Of a mindset that says I'm not good enough. I was with, I was ministering to somebody just this week in the hospital. And their response was, I don't deserve any of this. I don't deserve my husband. I don't deserve my house. I don't deserve you as a pastor. I mean, it just like, I'm not even sure where this was coming from. I mean, the individual messed up like everybody else. But there's this mindset that just gets in there. And it is so guilt-ridden. And it is so uh, self-destructive. And it, it, the, the negative self-talk is so powerful in our lives. If we're not careful, uh, just like our friend Ben Stiller, it will eat us alive like a little green monster that comes up inside. So this is the major thing that we need to get. Like God wants to prosper you. He is looking for excuses to bless you. I know it's true because the word of God says so. In John 10, 10, this is, we're going to, this is probably, this is one of our, 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 our verses for our church. This is a key, this is a key mantra that we say quite often It is important not only to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, but actually in the lifestyle that we live. It goes something like this. The thief comes to steal, 
kill, and destroy. The enemy of God has a plan. His plan is to still kill and destroy you and your family and your kids. He's got a strategy. He is determined. He's going to make it happen with, with all the resources that hell has. That's what he wants to do. And then Jesus goes on to say, but I have come that you may have life and live it to the full. Other translations say abundantly or a a fulfillment of of wholeness, that your life is a life of wholeness. Okay, this is this is interesting because we don't spend a whole lot of time when I say we I mean, preachers, we don't spend a whole lot of time in saying God wants you to have an abundant life, a full life, a blessed life. Well, sometimes some some do. But usually what we spend most of our time doing is getting people out of hell. Right. We say, why did Jesus come? It says to rescue people from hell. That's that's part A. But the other part A is so that you can have a fulfilled life. He wants to do more than just to save you from hell. He wants to get you into heaven right now. Right now. Heaven doesn't start when we die. Heaven starts now. And so, we got to get into our heads that God is a good God. That he, he's like, he really honestly, he wants to prosper you. There is truth, absolute truth to prosperity gospel. All right, last week we ended uh, the book of Daniel. We, we closed that, that book up and it was huge. And what we need, what we learned, hopefully what we learned from Daniel is that God taught Daniel and all the exiles. He taught them how to thrive and be successful in a very negative environment. Like, we can get this, folks. We really can. We can be prosperous when everything else is heading south. When even the, the culture, the, even the economy, like God can make you prosper in a bad economy. And I'm not just, like, making stuff up. We've got history to prove it. The Jewish people have always thrived throughout history in the worst of circumstances. They've always come out on top. They've always, just like Daniel, they've always, they always land on their feet. There, there's something about the Jewish people, the way that God uh, taught them, wired their brain, discipled them. He discipled them to succeed. And guess what? Like, you know, maybe you're not Jewish, but you're grafted in. You are, you are part of the family. And as adopted kids into God's family, there's just certain things that we need to learn. There's certain habits that we need to learn. This is going to sound highly offensive. But if you want to prosper, you need to start thinking like a Jew. And I don't mean that flippantly. I mean that seriously. It's true. We've got to get into our heads that God's a Jew. <laughs> and we need it like... One of the reasons why our Western culture falters so much and defaults into material uh, excesses, it's like Jack Black and Ben Stiller, is that we haven't surrendered that part of our lives, that material part. All right, so let's get into these keys real quick. The first key, and again, there's eight, so we're only going to do two today. well, you know, let me read this first. This is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. This is another major verse. Again, uh, Daniel has learned this secret how to be successful in a hostile environment. Not only in an environment that's hostile to God, but to him. Like he's a slave. He's a captive. 
He's poor. And yet he ends up rich. How does he do it? All right. Uh, during the whole exile, during this whole time that, that God's people were in slavery and financial slavery, like literal save, slavery, uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, was sending them emails from Jerusalem. He was sending them encouraging words. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we learned that Daniel was a different kind of a prophet. He was the prophet that saw the end of the world because God trusted him with that kind of information. Jeremiah is a, uh, he's your typical prophet that's, that's speaking into the people at the time. And this is what he tells the Jewish people that are in a difficult situation. God tells them you need to teach them and you need to teach them this thing. And this is what he says. This is a Jeremiah 29. Uh, let's go down to verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those. You ready for this? This is not fun. I carried from exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. <laughs> so this is God's training ground for them. This is what he says. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, okay, this one's so not fun. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you off into exile. Do you know what Jeremiah is saying? He's saying, you need to pray for your captors. You need to pray for the bad guys. You need to pray for this evil city that it prospers. Because if this city prospers, guess what? Your city, you you prosper. That is so... Right? In this evil age, it is our temptation to fight the... Our cities, right? Especially now with everything that's going on. I'm not saying that we don't stand up for righteousness and justice, but do we pray for our cities? Do we, do we want them to prosper? Or deep down inside, are we envious? Or are we, are we, are we mean-spirited about it and we just want it to burn? Pray to the Lord, for it is because... Pray to the Lord, for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord, Almighty, the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Uh, those are the people on, um, on TV. Like, don't listen to the news chatter about how bad everything is. Don't let them deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams. Uh, do not listen to the dreams and the, uh, or you, oh, excuse me. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. Have I not sent to them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When the 70 years are completed in Babylon, you've got to do this for 70 years. This is your training ground. Like this hard season of being enslaved, 70 years, college time. When it is completed, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back, to bring you back to this place. And this is this is the sweetest part. For I know 
the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans, ready for this? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. It's relationship, folks. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with, with what? With all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from the, all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to a place from which I have carried you into exile. So, the most difficult circumstance you can possibly imagine yourself in, God can use it as a training ground for you to make you stronger, to make you better, to make you faster. So here's the keys. This is what we got to get. Key number one. And this is in the book, the yellow book, if you want to get it later. Key number one, ready, is generosity and giving. Generosity and giving. Now, it's more than just tithing. It's more than just, um, you know what, I'm going to throw some money at this. That tends to be the solution for governments. So... Rightfully so. We're one of the wealthiest nations in the world. And whenever we see a problem, we throw money at it. And we've learned this. Whenever an institution throws money at a situation or a problem, Dad, does it work? No, it doesn't work. What's that? Yeah, it just doesn't work. Now, Money is a resource. Money is a tool. The principle is when you combine the resource and you combine relationship to a problem, then things change. Then problems get solved. We have a, you know, we have a homeless situation in our community now. If we just throw money at it, Nothing's going to get better. Oh, man, this is going to be tough. Because I know your hearts, and, I, and your hearts are amazing. Um, when you're going underneath the freeway underpass, and there's the guy begging, right? Or the gal, and they've got the sign up. And your impulse, because you are a generous people, because you don't, you, you don't want to see people hurting, you give them money. <laughs> See, Gary's already saying, uh-uh. Gary knows this stuff. Do you know why Gary knows this? It's because Gary goes into relationship with people. Um, giving them money won't solve the problem. Giving them money and giving them a relationship will solve the problem. Give, resourcing them will solve the problem. Resourcing them with a connection to God, connecting them with the church, a connection with people, that will solve the problem. But we impulse give because we're guilty, hmm? right? Because there's a bit of a shame thing going on. So we impulse give. Um, I don't personally. I don't. I don't move unless I'm willing to go into relationship with somebody in a situation. For example, if I, if I, if I feel like, you know, if there's somebody that, that needs prayer on the street and homeless or not, 
I have to ask myself, am I willing to go into a relationship with that person? Like if I want to prophesy over somebody in the street, I can't just throw a prophecy at the problem and, and, make, and see if it's, if it's going to work. It requires a relationship. Okay, so giving and generosity. So generosity is, uh, let me just read. Uh, the book is by Sean Bolts, by the way. It's absolutely, it's going to mess with you. Um, let me read to you what Sean says about tithing, but I want to change the way that you think about tithing right now. Tithing helps us to live in the value system of the kingdom. We take a portion of what is ours and we give it outside of our control to God. There are so many reasons to tithe, and most people who don't like, like to, they do it because of frustration with theology. They find excuses to give less than rather than giving more. It's not like paying taxes because you have no idea if they are being used properly or with corruption. Tithing has a direct tie to God, despite what we tithe to. Let me repeat that. Tithing has a direct tie to God, despite who we tithe to. And it always yields a result in our lives. And hopefully, in a major way, to the organization or to the community that we are tithing to. Hey, thank you. Now, did you catch the part of it's not a tax? It's not an admission fee. It's not a membership due. And it's definitely not a get-out-of-jail-free card when you had a naughty week. It does not alleviate guilt. Just ask the Catholics in the 15th century. It didn't work out for them when they tried to pay their way out of sinning. That's not what it is. What the Lord is honestly trying to teach us is adopting a generous spirit. This is key number one. The generous spirit. Not just giving, not just being good philanthropists, but a generous spirit. Loving. Like, like generally becoming a love cat. Now, okay, change the way that you think right now when you think about generosity. It's not about money. It's about you. It's about what you have. It's about the resources God has blessed you with. It's about your time. It's about your abilities. Are you generous with the knowledge that you have? What does that look like? In the workplace, you might have information, knowledge, expertise, and you're really good at what you do. You have a skill set. Are you generous with it or do you hoard it? Are you, are you, do you want to share your knowledge and do you want to share your information or do you want to keep it all to yourself so that you can continue to rise above everybody else? The generous spirit says, you know what? I've got, I've got a solution to your problem, John. And this is, if you just tweak this, then you'll be successful. You can, that, that's a generous spirit. The envious spirit says, I got a solution to my coworker's problem. 
yet I want to see them go down, so I'm not going to share it with them. I need to one-up them. Now, if generosity and giving is one of the major keys to open up heaven's resources, every, every key has a block. The block to the generosity key uh, is the little movie clip that I showed you. It's envy and jealousy. It is this comparison thing. So, yes, I want to encourage you to be a generous people. But at the same time, look, we got to get rid of envy and jealousy and comparing and one-upping one another. That this is what's going to happen in this series. I guarantee it. Your brothers and sisters, your granite creakers in this series, somebody's going to mess around and they're going to apply the principles. Somebody's going to pay attention and, and get the book and they're going to read it. Somebody's going to say, you know what, I'm going to just surrender my life to this process. You know, I'm, 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 going to, I'm going to go into relationship with God in all aspects of my life. Somebody's going to do it and they're going to get blessed. It's just the principle of the harvest. Somebody's going to do it. So somebody's going to be blessed beyond their wildest imaginations. Right? The Lord says, test me in these things, and I'll show you. I'll prove it to you. Now, John 10.10, what does the thief want to do? Still kill and destroy. What's his strategy? It's the little green monster of envy. So I guarantee you this is going to happen. The, whoever you're sitting next to or sitting in front of or sitting behind of, they're going to get blessed and you're not. And it is in that moment where you get to choose. Where, are you going to harbor envy and bitterness for somebody else's blessing? Oh my gosh, it is so easy to do. I, it is so, like, I look, I look it's, it's, it's pastor confession time. I've had to deal with this in my own life. I've got this friend, this childhood friend, Growing up, I mean, I'm smarter than him. I'm way cooler than him. Like, I hung out with him because I felt sorry for him, right? He was like, it was like one of my charity friends. And the guy's just a, he's just a big doofus. A clown, right? I mean, just... I don't know how to say it. I mean, that sounds terrible, but it's just the truth. And like this guy gets blessed beyond imagination. It, it makes absolutely no sense to me. And oh, I'm a grown man, and I just find myself like following him on Instagram. You know? Am I hitting a nerve here? I'm following him on Instagram. And it's just like, Wow, that's a really nice house. Wow, he bought another brand new car. He's got pictures of the perfect little family. You know, and I'm watching some of the stuff that he does. I'm like, oh yeah, he, he's still he's still a doofus. Like, help me understand this, Lord. And you see where just this, this envy begins to boil up and bubble up inside of us? Where we want what the other person has. It's a big, giant killer. It's a big, giant block. Maybe we'll revisit that issue more. Second one, the second key, is 
a knowledge of God's resources. This is probably going to be one of the hardest concepts for us to get. Is that God has all of the resources. All of them. Let me uh, read you a scripture real quick. This is Psalms 50, verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine. And the cattle on how many hills? A thousand hills are mine. I know every bird on the mountains and everything that moves in the fields is mine. Okay, so let me just interpret this for our modern senses. God has everything. Like every single resource on the planet, gold, cash, dollars, yen, Bitcoin, oil, it all belongs to him. Those are the thousand hills. He owns it all. All of God's resources are, in a sense, tied up in heaven. There are resources waiting for you. We have to unlock them. We need to have this knowledge in our minds. Like, wait, wait, wait a minute, Josh. I, I thought like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, I thought they have all the money. They do. But God is in control of it. 100%. So if we do our job right, if we go into an intimacy with the Lord, and if, we, if we're honest about our relationship with Him, He's going to, behind the scenes, He's going to begin to move the pieces into place where you will be blessed. But here's the, here's the unfortunate truth. God's love is unconditional, but unfortunately, His favor is conditional. He's not going to give you stuff that's going to wreck your life. And giving you stuff that's going to wreck your life could mean money. Over and over and over again, we've seen, I mean, just working in business and working in, uh, working with people. Uh, was uh, We had an antique business for a while, and I did other management stuff for a while. Like, if you pay people too soon, if they have no self-control with that money that you give them, they're not going to show up th- the next day to work because they've got a hangover. Now, that's a very simplistic illustration. But like us, it applies to us too. So the, the story of the, the, the movie Envy with Jack Black and, um, and Ben Stiller, he creates this really interesting invention. And he, went, he goes from poverty into riches in a matter of days. And he literally builds the White House in his front yard and, you know, all these fancy things. And he just, he just blows his money. And says, God doesn't want us to do that. He, it won't be good for our souls. Whitfield, one of the early revivalists, he started tithing at a young age, began to learn this principle. By time that he had passed away, this is a preacher's salary. I, I'm not even anywhere close to hitting this one. But by time he passed, passed away, he was living on 10% and giving away 90%. And that... That one's not too long ago. There's other people, there's other individuals, Christians, that are walking in that type of a lifestyle where they literally can't give it away fast enough. And this is what God's calling us into. 
that he really wants to bless and prosper us. So resources are more than just green stuff. It's relationship. Like there's even relationships in heaven that that God wants to give you. It could be a romantic relationship. It could be business relationships. There's something that God wants to give you in the area of relationships. But right now he can't give it to you because you're emotionally not mature enough to handle that relationship. And so all he's doing is just calling us into more discipleship, into, into knowing him better and healing us up. Now, the last little bit in Jeremiah 29. And this is, oh, this is our take home for today. Some of us are blessed and you know it and it's exciting, right? It is so cool when God blesses. Some of us are kind of in in between, you know, you're 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 making it happen, you're working hard and and thing and God is providing and you're you're seeing it, you're applying principles and you're seeing it. Some of us aren't. Some of us even despite being faithful are reeling from a loss. Stock market wasn't good on you. Housing market messed you up. You're still recovering from 2008. Anybody still recovering from 2008? I got a few of you, yeah. I don't know what yesterday was like, but today is a new season. That loss, that pain, like I want to encourage you right now, change the way that you think about the loss. Think about it as being the 70 years where God was teaching me something. Like even in the midst of your pain and the loss and the, and the, the hurt, God was teaching you something in that moment. Ask him right now, what God, what were you teaching me when we were broke? What were you teaching, teaching me when we lost the house? God, what were you teaching me when we got evicted? God, what were you teaching me when I got fired? God, what are the lessons? Like, and then Lord, help me prosper in the midst of this. Did you see what Jeremiah says to the exiles in Daniel? He says, he's going to bring you back. Yeah, he's going to bring you back. He's going to bring you back to Zion. He's going to bring you back to the the golden city, the beautiful land. He's going to bring you back. This is God's promise to us, is that he is going to bring us back. He will restore what the locusts have eaten. Learn that one, folks. Learn it, learn it, learn it. Uh, Ready for this? Allow God to bring you back. Allow him to bring you back. Don't let the the, the bitterness and the the envy and the jealousy and the disappointment. And ready for this? Even, Even the animosity towards the Lord because of failure. Don't let that rob your blessing today. Don't let it rob the blessing. All right, let me get the band to come up to the front. And the ushers. As they're on their way up, we'll be doing next week. Favor, relationship, and influence. And hard work. Those are going to be the points for next week. Um, Would you stand with me as, as we give and as we just turn our attention to the Lord?
God, right now, what you truly desire are men and women, children of light, that are stepping into their inheritance. And although that we're not Jewish, that is our inheritance. So God, I pray right now that you just do a work on the mindset of everybody here. The mindset that says, A, I'm not worthy to be blessed. Or B, I should have more. I'm entitled to be blessed. So God, I pray right now that you'll just convict us and may we repent of those mindsets. May we repent of that sinful way of thinking. And I pray you bring us into a right relationship with you and bring us back to the fullness so that we can live that abundant life that you called us to. God bless you guys as you give back.